Welcome back to the podcast, all you pod heads, you loyal listeners. I'm your host, Justin Gleason. I love the listeners. Uh, We could even say fans. I don't really like to think of it that way as fans, but rather the loyal audience. I took my family down to Branson, Missouri to see the Jesus play at Sight and Sound. Great play, by the way. And as I was going to my seat, I look up and (laughs) I saw uh, Nathan White, youth pastor from Iowa, brought his youth group down there. Shout out to the Whites and the young people. And uh, I was talking to him and a couple of his youth group guys come up to me and they were all saying, hey, we're loyal listeners. And it was just so cool to see loyal listeners down in Branson. And uh, we're going to be doing some traveling here in the next several weeks and hopefully get to meet some more loyal listeners. I love all of you very, very much. And I know most of you would rather just live, listen passively to this. You, you know, you, you like what I have to say, but you, you feel like you don't know me, so you really don't want to message me. And I get that and I respect that. But if you ever just want to just tell me what's up, Share something that, that is happening in, in your life that relates to the content that we bring. I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. You can also follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. I'd love to hear from you. I don't really solicit a whole lot of questions as other podcasters do. I... I think if if a podcast host has to do that, they're kind of out of touch with their audience. I just keep my eyes open and listen. But uh, every once in a while, somebody will comment or send me a a a message, and it helps me know exactly where people are at. And I used to get a lot of mail, especially when this thing first got going in in the wake of COVID-19. But the messages have kind of slowed down a little bit. And I'm taking a hint at this, and, and the numbers keep on going up, the downloads keep on going up, the audience is growing, but the messages have kind of slowed down, and I feel like the interaction has slowed down a little bit, partly because I think it's just people enjoy listening, but another reason is I think people are just in a place where they are blank. People in general, church people I'm talking about, are in like a a funk. It's like a it's it's like your subconscious is nothing but fog. And you're not seeing clearly, you're not hearing clearly, and you just feel like you're just kind of going through the motions here on this earth. And you're needing direction from God. And you're needing to hear from God. And I think God is pulling on us to draw near to him. When you draw near to the Lord, when you're in his presence, that's when you'll hear his voice. That is when he will share insight with you. And I think that's what we need to be doing. As spirit-filled believers, we need to hunger and thirst for the presence of God. And we cannot let this pandemic and the insanity of the left the the vermin in the social media and wherever else you see the news and the hypocrisy that's probably going on in your youth group or your hyphen group or wherever 
or maybe you got family dysfunction, or maybe you're worried about a terrorist attack happening, you cannot let that slow you down from reaching out for God every day. And I know life is busy. My goodness, my life is busy. Uh, <laughs> I, got a, I got a wife. Uh, we're, our ba- we're in our third trimester, and I got two small children. I'm also an associate pastor. Uh, I do this podcast. I'm a guest speaker. I'm uh, working on writing some books, and I've got an Israel tour that I'm try- <laughs> trying to put together here. Oh, and, and so many other things happening. Real responsibilities. And if I'm not careful, I can get so busy doing the work of God that I forget about the God of the work. And it's easy to do. And I just, I got to the office this morning and just started doing all of the busy work. And after about 45 minutes of it, I stopped and I realized I haven't even prayed yet today. I haven't even read my Bible today. And I mean, I just closed up everything and got alone with the Lord. And let me tell you what, after that happened, it seemed like I went a million miles an hour and I got so much done. It's amazing. God will help you. Let him be your guiding light. Let his word be the lamp to your feet. Let his spirit be the light to your pathway. We've got to have God in this day and age. And those who have rejected him will one day wake up and wish that they hadn't. Because right now, God is so gracious. He is reaching out for people that don't deserve love. He is reaching out for people that don't deserve hope. He has reached out for people that had, that had really no intention of ever, ever pointing their faith to him. But that is just the beauty of the love of Jesus. He loved us not for what we were or what we are, but what we could be. Because his spirit is changing. His spirit has the power to give new life. And that's why we reach out for him. With all the madness that is going on, it's time to reach out for him more and more. That's what God wants. Is all the craziness that you see supposed to make you believe that, oh, God is not there? And that's the lie of the devil. The devil is trying. (laughs) A lot of people say the greatest lie that Satan ever told is he's not real. I I don't agree with that. Although he does lie about that. I think the greatest lie that Satan is telling at least this generation is that God doesn't care. It's that God has forgotten. God has distanced himself. God is not to be trusted. And he's using all of the craziness of this world to use that as like a big Trojan horse to destroy people's lives. I wish I could say when you read the Bible that preceding the return of the Lord, that things will be beautiful and great. Actually, quite the opposite. It's going to be a disaster. Listen to what Jesus said concerning the end of days. This is Luke chapter 17. Then he said to his disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it, and they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven 
shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things, and be rejected by this generation. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed, and one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered. Mm. This is real stuff. This is not a parable. Jesus is telling it plain as day how it's going to be in the end of time. A short glimpse of it. And he is saying that the days will come when people will want desperately, desperately to see Jesus as in his earthly ministry. You know, he was 33 and a half. If you count up all of the feasts that he went to in the Gospel of John, that's how we know that he was 33 and a half. And what Jesus is saying here is to his disciples, you will desire to see those last three and a half years so much. You will desire, people will desire to see my earthly ministry, the first earthly ministry so much. That's how dark times are going to get. That is how wicked the generation will become. That people will wish they could go back in time and be with Jesus when he walked this earth. I've thought about this a lot. What? If I could go back and see one moment, just one moment, of Jesus' earthly ministry, what would I see? And I think the moment that I, I, that's got to be the number one moment, if I could go back in time and see Jesus' earthly ministry, it actually would be after his resurrection. It says that he expounded all of the scriptures concerning himself. And he went through Genesis all the way to Malachi and explained to them how and why he suffered. And he articulated so many things. I think in that moment is when Jesus began to really articulate the meaning of Messiah and what he would accomplish, the fulfillment of prophecy, the raising up of the church, and what Jesus would do when he comes back. Like the depth of the scripture. And that's something I try to do on this podcast. I try to bring you scripture. I try to bring you the insight bring you the fire of it, bring you the big ideas of it. 
And Bible prophecy is probably the hardest subject to do. It's probably the deepest in a thing to uncover. Because it's interpreting prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet. And even Jesus, I don't think he purposely went into every detail he could, but he told a lot of parables. But here he pulls out Old Testament scripture to describe what it would be like in the end of days. Perhaps it is our generation that he foresaw that would experience these things. Maybe we will be the generation that cries out, Lord, we wish we could just see you. We wish we could have been with you in that time. This generation will be so dark and so wicked that we <laughs> will want to go back to the way it was in A.D. 30 to A.D. 33. Jesus says in that time, many false prophets will arise. They will arise to deceive, to turn people away from Jesus. You know, false prophets are here and there. They're easy to pick out. Um, I've got a, a list here just through my own study of false prophets that arose shortly uh, after the Lord ascended up into glory. And two that really <laughs> kind of stick out to me. One's name was Simon Bar Kokhba. Simon Bar Kokhba. And the height of his life was um, in a, a 132 CE. 132 years after the birth of Christ. According to my studies, he was a leader of an independent Jewish group, called themselves an independent Jewish nation, and they kind of broke away from Roman control. And it was said that this Simon Bar Kokhba, who claimed to be the Messiah, he could crush large, solid stones under his feet. Caesar sent out a Roman army of 120,000 against Kokhba. That's how powerful Kokhba became. It took 120,000 soldiers, Roman soldiers, to come out after him. Kokhba and his small army hid away in the caves in the land of Israel. The Romans found them, killed them all. They lost the war, and the rebellion ended. <laughs> that was a great sign that he had. He said, I can crush rocks under my feet. And the people believed him and followed him, believed that he was the Savior. Well, they all were hiding in rocks, and the army came and found him and took them all away and ended it all. He was not the Messiah. Deceived a lot of people. You then have Moses of Crete in the 5th century. He claimed to be the Messiah, and he said he could restore the kingdom of Israel. Many Jews left their homes, left their livelihoods, their businesses, everything, to meet Moses of Crete at the beach where he claimed that he could part the waters from Crete and create a path all the way to Israel. And he convinced many Jews to follow him. And many of them got into the great sea, and sadly, many of them drowned. He could not part the sea. <laughs> I mean, look it up. A lot of interesting guys out there that had these Messiah complexes. And we're starting to see a big spike of that. False Messiahs. False Saviors. Yes, yeah, sure, you had Muhammad. You had all the uh, Hindu 
false prophets, Muslim false prophets, all these other religions out there. But the craziest one of all, the craziest ones of all, tend to be the people that claim to be able to do mighty signs and wonders. That's what Antichrist will do. He'll be able to perform many line signs and wonders. And ultimately, it will be brought down to the very end, suddenly. There's a lot of talk right now about the mark of the beast. You know, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I don't think so. The vaccine really isn't a mark. Uh, The last I've seen, nobody's taken it in their forehead. Last I've seen, nobody's really taken it in their right hand. It's mostly in the shoulder. Uh, And nobody has to claim uh, worship and loyalty to, to anybody in doing that. Uh, could it be a precursor? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of things are. Social security numbers are. Bank accounts are. Uh, cell phones are. Tattoos are. Piercings are. All of these things are leading up as a segue to the mark of the beast. I just know this. The beast will have total control over all the buying and the selling. It'll probably be because of all of the crisis and the chaos Some of it manufactured, some of it actually caused by Jesus himself when he catches away the church. All the sheer panic. Um, The coming of the Son of Man is described to be like lightning. Now this is pure speculation. This is not hard, concrete Bible doctrine. But I speculate when the coming of the Lord happens for his church and we're caught up together, it will be like lightning. And I think it will probably knock out the power grid and completely make an end of modern technology. I really don't think there's going to be a lot of modern technology in the tribulation. I think we'll, everybody will have to go back to primitive living. Look in Revelation. It's very primitive uh, the way things are. That's just my thoughts. Are we getting close to that day? I think we are. I think the signs are all pointing to it. Last year we did extensive content from uh, Luke chapter 21, all the great signs that Jesus said would happen, such as pestilence, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, commotion, all of those things were happening not far apart from each other, but they were like happening every other day, all of those things, all happening at the same time. And I just had a word from God, the end is not now, but it's coming. It's not now, but it's coming. And I see something else that Jesus said in Luke happening right now as a major sign of the coming of the Lord. And it's what we read here. As it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Pulling from Old Testament scripture as a depiction of what the coming of the Lord will be like. Old Testament carries a lot of typology, types and shadows. Uh, copies of what would happen in the New Testament. And you look at the story of Noah. What is the main thing that really truly angered God? Well, it was the violence that was happening in the earth. Every imagination inside of man was only evil continually. Very, very violent time. And then, of course, you had the, the sons of God coming to the daughters of men. That's demonic. You had all these demonic and violent acts going on. What's happening in the earth? What do you hear reports of? Violence. 
absolute violence. And it seems like man's imaginations only think of evil things. It's like there is no righteousness. There is no uh, law. There is nothing holy anymore. Everything is evil. Everything is corrupt. Everything is wicked. And that's the generation that Noah had to live in. A violent, corrupt, evil imagination generation. Just before Noah, you had Enoch, who walked with God and he was not. I think Enoch here, symbolizing the, the days of the coming of the Son of Man, he represents the church. Because Enoch walked with God, and before the flood and judgment came, Enoch was taken up, meaning he was raptured, he was caught up into heaven. And, and some believe he will return as one of the two witnesses. That very well could be. But I think he's typology of the church because the church is going to be caught up. Enoch was not appointed for the flood and the church is not appointed for the tribulation. Okay. That is the typology that I see there. You then have Noah and his family who were saved by water. Noah and his family who were saved by water. I look at it that as typology of the tribulation survivors. Those who are going to survive all of the judgments in the tribulation, somehow they will survive it. Those are the ones who are elect to be present at the setting up of the millennial kingdom of the Lord. They will go forth and repopulate, just like Noah. Noah's family, only eight souls, they were the only ones that survived the flood and they repopulated the earth. Well, a lot of humanity is going to become extinct only a few an elect will survive after the tribulation and these survivors will repopulate the earth for a thousand years the typology is all there you then have now this is kind of mysterious first peter chapter three it talks about the souls who were once disobedient christ went and preached to those spirits in prison and you got to look at the context of it. What I think happened was when Jesus died and was buried and put into the tomb, his soul went down into hell. His soul went down into hell, just like every human soul did. And because hell tried to take the soul of an innocent man, hell was then judged. And Christ took all the Old Testament saints out of hell into paradise, including people, souls, as the flood water was coming up, the people that Noah preached to, these souls were once disobedient, meaning they became obedient. Probably as the flood waters were coming up, they repented and believed the words of Noah and they called out to God. Now they perished in the flood, their souls went to hell, but they were saved uh, through the preaching of Messiah and they're in paradise to this day. So there's souls who would not believe the preaching, but when the flood came, they repented. They had enough time. They repented. And they made it at the end of days. I think those are the people that are martyred and judged and died during the tribulation. Somehow, some way or another, they are going to make it. They're going to die in the tribulation, but they will make it. And then lastly, you have the wicked generation that are judged by the flood. Wouldn't repent, died in the flood. Those are typology of the souls who refuse to repent and they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. 
as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Violence is rising. It's coming back. I could feel it during this 9-11, all this Afghanistan stuff. There was just like a surge in the terrorist militant Islamic world uh, to come after the West, to come after Christians, to come after the Jews. You know, it's interesting. I've thought more about this, and we've d- done some recent podcasts about this. You know, we talked about the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw of an image. The last kingdom will be a kingdom of iron and clay, partly strong, partly weak. It's like iron and clay are totally different, but somehow they're going to mix. Have you ever wondered why the woke culture and Islam go so well together? How is it that the left and Islam partner together so well? That's because they've got a common enemy. The West. They've got a common enemy. Western culture. They've got a common enemy. The Jews and the Christians. Judeo-Christian values. They unite because of the enemies that they have. And then also they unite because they are under the same spirit. The spirit of anti-Christ. Anti-Christ. See, they'll talk about God. They'll talk about Allah. They'll talk about whatever. But you get to talking about Jesus. (laughs) That's what makes them upset. Sipping on some iced coffee that Sister G got for us. And it is absolutely delicious. I've been going this whole hot summer on hot coffee, but for, for whatever reason, for this podcast, iced coffee just sounded really, really good. And boy, is it ever yummy. <clears throat> Where was I? Oh, yeah, the days of Noah. So, yeah, the, you see the enemies uniting. Iron and clay, two completely opposites. They are uniting to make an end of the greatest opposition to the Antichrist, and that is the Church of the Living God. But we know, according to First Thessalonians, he who hinders will now hinder until he's taken out on the way. Then will that wicked one be destroyed. See, if we've learned anything, like from the books of Daniel, other Old Testament books, when empires would rise, and then they'd fall because another empire would come. You, you think about this, Egypt arose and then fell because Assyria conquered them. Assyria rose and then it was conquered at Babel, by Babylon. Babylon arose and then it was conquered by the Persians. The Persians arose and then they were conquered by the Greeks. The Greeks arose and then they were conquered by the Romans. Well, who uh, conquered the Romans? That is a big question. Some say that the Gauls took them out. Some say that they just kind of crumbled from within. Some say that it was assassinated, which is kind of an interesting idea. I don't know. I think it just kind of faded and went underground. And someday it will arise again. That's right. But for a nation to fall, ultimately, it has to be defeated. Well, what nation has defeated the beast? Well, it's the church. It ultimately will through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to be the army of the Lord. That's why Christ is going to take us up into heaven to become his army, to come back and to defeat the beast. It's coming. It's happening. It's there. And you want to be taken and caught up for it. Praise the Lord. 
Let's now talk about the days of Lot. The days of Lot are here. Very obvious. It's everywhere. And that is perversion. Sodom was a very, very perverted city. Look it up in history. Sodom welcomed homosexual lifestyle, celebrated it, made laws permitting it, had every kind of gay thing that you could think of. It was there in their courts, it was there in their parades, it was there in the private life, it was there in the public life, it was there in their education, it was there in their entertainment, it was everywhere, gay this, gay that. And not only that, but they were very cruel to sojourners that came throughout the land. Very, very wicked, exceedingly wicked. So much so that the cry of the world cried out to God because of the wickedness of Sodom that it inflicted upon other cities and nations. That's why God destroyed it. We have there Abraham watching from afar on a mountain, watching the judgment of God. I believe this is typology of the church that will be caught up in heaven. And you read John's revelation, when he looks down from heaven, he could see earth. And that's something from heaven, you can see earth. That's why I don't think heaven is far out there, like way out there in some other galaxy. It's actually really close to earth. John could see earth from heaven, could see the judgments. And just like Abraham watched, so will the church watch the judgments upon the earth. You then have Lot and his daughters escaped to Zoar for safety. There are going to be survivors in the tribulation. As the tribulation's going on, they will believe and find a way of escape, and God will elect them to, uh, to survive, to repopulate the earth during the millennial reign of Christ. You then have Lot's wife, who Jesus said to remember. Remember. You think about this, Lot's wife died, but she didn't die in Sodom. And I think this will be typology of the martyred tribulation saints. They won't die from the judgments of the tribulation. They'll die because they're martyred. And these are resurrected for the thousand years with Christ that you read about in the end of Revelation. You then have those who in Sodom who were exceedingly wicked, who were judged by fire. And it's typology of the souls who will be judged by the lake of fire for all eternity. Going back to Lot's wife, Jesus said, remember her. Remember her, remember her. Uh, She's a perfect example, I think, of how it's going to be for a lot of church people in the end of days. Lot's wife was on her way to safety. You know, she didn't stay in the city. There was something in her that said, get out. Go with the angel. Go with your husband. But the command was, don't even look back. Do not care about your life. Don't care about your former life. Flee to safety. And that's just the dangers of just taking a look. Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes in this world. Don't get too caught up in what you see in this world. Keep your eyes upon the Lord. That's right. If Sodom's going to burn, I don't want to burn with it. I want to keep my eyes on the Lord. There's a lot of us, a lot lot of us are going to lose a lot in this world. A lot of things that we cherished, a lot of people we thought we cared for, they're going to burn. They are going to be destroyed. If there's a plan for safety, keep on running. That's right. So yeah, I am very much pre-tribulation. 
big time. There was a point in my life where I was confused about it and I didn't know. But I want to uh, end with a point here in this Bible prophecy series. A scripture that I found actually in the Old Testament. A lot of people say the rapture of the church are catching away. It's not in the Old Testament. Well, I found something. And this is the passage that ultimately convinced me about, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago concerning the pre-tribulation, the catching away of the church before the judgment. So Isaiah 26, the prophet said, Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and earth shall cast out the dead. That sounds a lot to me. Like the catching away of the church. That's right. Verse 20. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Mm. You see, Noah was hiding safely in the ark. Lot and his two daughters were hiding safely in the mountains of Zoar. They could because God had a really good aim <laughs> in the earth at that time. Well, the tribulation, there is no aim. Judgments are broadcasted every where and I think the only place that'll be safe is heaven itself that's why he says come up my people and enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you that sounds a lot like when Jesus said I go to prepare a place for you and once that door is shut nobody else is getting in he says hide yourself for a little moment until the indignation is passed the Bible writers knew it. The prophets knew it. Abraham knew it. God does not destroy the righteous with the unrighteousness. And the tribulation is going to be the destruction of the wicked. That's why the church will not go through the tribulation. The church will be hidden. The church will be cared for. The church will be protected. And Isaiah foresaw this. I want to be on that bus. I want to be taken. I want to be caught up. I want to be preserved. I want to be in the safe arms of Jesus Christ with his saints. And that's why I live ready. That's why I want to know this God. Well, I'm under conviction right now. I have hungered and thirsted and desired signs my entire ministry. I love to see the sign of people receiving the Holy Spirit by the sign of speaking in other tongues. I love it. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love to see miracles. I love to see wonders. I love prophecy. I love to see the, the sick healed supernaturally by the power of God. I love seeing devils cast out of people. And that's starting to pick up. Let me tell you, that is starting to pick up. The devil is on high alert, and he's getting really uncomfortable inside of people because people are repenting and coming to the Lord. We're having revival, praise God, not only in our local church but other churches. I thank God for that. 
And Jesus said, the day will come when many will stand before me and they will say, Lord, did we not do many wonders and miracles and many great works in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Iniquity is a very, very dark place. Iniquity, yes, it's sin, it's transgression, but iniquity is more like you, it's more like for, it describes people who were very hypocritical in their lives. They were able to conceal their iniquity with righteousness, apparently. The appearance of righteousness. It's the greatest, darkest thing. It's like having good and evil mixed inside of you, like the tree that we were forbidden to eat. It's really like Satan himself, who appears to be an angel of light. It's the greatest iniquity that God cannot stand. It's being lukewarm that God spews out of his mouth. And I want to see powerful things happen. But I don't want to do it without being humble. I don't want to do it without living consecrated. It is time for us to get right with the Lord. To be at peace with Him. And the way we do that is by giving Him our time. Giving Him our full attention. If you're too busy for God, you are too busy. It can wait. It can be pushed back. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to the word. Give yourself to the church. Give your heart and loyalty to your pastor and your pastor alone. Serve the Lord with gladness. Give cheerfully. Don't be in a hurry to leave that altar call. And always be ready to hear from God. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Peace and blessings be with you. (laughs) 